Thank you so much for returning for another time of examining privilege. This work has been incredibly hard for me personally, but also incredibly rewarding. I'm still experiencing earthquakes in my personal relationships because of it, and I hope deeply that you're experiencing both the mental soreness from wrapping your head around it and the reward of spotting privilege and being able to move through the world more authentic, with more authenticity. Last episode, well, we ended with the last couple paragraphs of the book, and I'm just going to go ahead and read them again, partially because I just love this. Well, I think that's the, that's the paradox with this work. It, it hurts, but it is also so good. It remind I think I mentioned this in the in the podcast that it reminds me of working out. It reminds me of that feeling of soreness where I know that I've done work that benefits my life, my body, and therefore benefits the world and those that I love and those that I'm around. This is good work, even when it hurts and even when we're sore the next day. So Coates writes. It was the cotton that passed through our chained hands that inaugurated this age. It is the flight from us that sent them sprawling into the subdivided woods. And the methods of transport through these new subdivisions across the sprawl is the automobile, the noose around the neck of the earth, and ultimately the dreamers themselves. I drove away from the house of Mabel Jones thinking of all this, I drove away, as always, thinking of you. I do not believe that we can stop them, Samori, because they must ultimately stop themselves. And still I urge you to struggle. Struggle for the memory of your ancestors, struggle for wisdom, struggle for the warmth of the Mecca, struggle for your grandmother and grandfather, for your name. But do not struggle for the dreamers. Hope for them. Pray for them if you are so moved, but do not pin your struggle on their conversion. The dreamers will have to learn to struggle themselves, to understand that the field for their dream, the stage where they have painted themselves white, is the deathbed of us all. The dream is the same habit that endangers the planet, the same habit that sees our bodies stowed away in prisons and ghettos. I saw these ghettos driving back from Dr. Jones' home. They were the same ghettos I had seen in Chicago all those years ago, the same ghettos where my mother was raised, where my father was raised. Through the windshield, I saw the mark of these ghettos, the abundance of beauty shops, churches, liquor stores, and crumbling housing, and I felt the old fear. Through the windshield, I saw the rain coming down in sheets. Thank you for joining in this struggle today. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the episode 13 and the conclusion of the conversation with Bill. Let's do our best Patrick Stewart and engage. The first time I read that, I had to, like that's the ending of the book. Sorry for those of you who haven't read it yet. If you haven't read it yet, you should have read it already. So go read it. Um, and don't worry, like I didn't spoil anything because it, it still makes me tear up <laughs> reading it for the sixth or seventh time. Um, that this is, I wrote after I first read it, that this is what the, the end of the dream feels like. Uh, 
just this relentless downpour um, of just the reality that those things that we have been making meaning with or that I had been making meaning with are genuine bullshit and they're genuinely destructive, not just to me, um, not just to uh, folks on the other side of uh, a gender divide, a, a race divide, a, a religious divide, or any of the divides that we've been taught to uh, to keep and hold and tend in this country. But that's what it felt like, just that this, all of those meaning makings flowing away and the bits of myself that were on the other side of those lines, like how can you not feel just pained that this part of you you haven't seen in decades, in my case, is, is, is still there and still has meaning for me. Um, bits of myself that I was cut off from so that I could fit into that, that mold, fit into that, that form that you mentioned. Um, that's, I don't know, that's how I experienced the end of this book. It just had one of these just gut punch moments. Yeah, it's, it's this, this uh, idea that we're, we're doing it to ourselves. We are, yeah, this, the one sentence in there, the dream is the same habit that endangers the planet. Yes. The habit that sees our bodies stowed away in prisons and ghettos. It's, yes, it's, you know, I, I think It's the noose is, around our neck, too. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, like I was saying, it's, it's, it's this being complicit in this is, is hurting ourselves, too. It's this illusion of freedom. Yeah. This, you know, this, uh, with, July 4th just happening and fireworks oh, all over God. the place. Like, is that freedom? Is that real freedom? Uh, you know, we, we still don't have the freedom to ingest certain entheogens so that we can have higher spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. That is not legal according to our country's penal code. Yep. If we're not free to do what we will with our own bodies, and even that's, that's even the privileged people. Sure, maybe we're not held... Uh, maybe those laws aren't met for us, and, and maybe that's a whole other subject on the whole war on drugs. But um, well, I mean, we saw it in the Supreme the Court the day, decision that just came down, where it decided that employers could decide what health, what uh, um, what birth uh, birth control options are available to their employees. That they're the ones who get to decide what these people do with their bodies. Like, yeah, and I guess yeah, that's that's a good point. When we talk about employers, yeah, talk about the freedom, yeah, uh, you know, to I guess until the pandemic happened, in order to get unemployment, you must have had a previous employer. Uh, in order to get loans, you must have some type of employer, and you know, it's yeah, it's like at the end of the day, in order to have the freedom we want, we must have some type of over us having some say over us and what we do with our time our bodies our family um, etc and uh, and so it yeah this dream to me is really just uh, a smoke screen it's a farce it's it's yeah it's smoke and mirrors it's this big magic trick that we get uh, we get very sucked into it's like one of those uh, uh, I think they're out like 20 years ago the, the kind of jumbled up pictures that you have to look into for a long time and kind mm. of or your eyes that you'd see something else appear. I feel like that's what we're in so that we're not actually seeing what's true and what real freedom really is. I mean, I, it's, it's, 
it blows my mind, uh, you know, the cognitive dissonance of, of some that are so much about freedom yet are, are espousing really the only thing they want to be free to do is have guns and fireworks and, you know, <laughs> but everything yeah. else is like, they could give a shit. I, I, I don't, it blows my mind. Yeah. So feel like we're at a resting point. Um, I got a question that I like to close with. You up for it? Yeah. Okay. So, um, where did you bump into your great white male today or this week? Like, like where did you bump into that part of you that went, Oh shit, I just did that. And that was totally of privilege. I'm having trouble answering it myself too, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give, give, give me a second. I, I know, I know there's. Yeah. I'll tell a story. So, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, the homeless pop homeless population rising and, uh, and people being out on the streets more than ever now. And, uh, that's certainly the case where I am. I live in the Five Points neighborhood of uh, Denver, which was a redlined neighborhood. Now it's being gentrified. Uh, I kind of struggle with, you know, my part of the problem. Uh, yeah. The reality is, you know, I live here and, and I enjoy it because it is a neighborhood that still feels like it's hanging on to some culture, and uh, and I enjoy being in a place that's diverse. As part of that, there's uh, quite a bit of homeless encampments around here, and uh, and. We uh, we try to be friendly to them and walk by them often and um, and so I guess every time I I walk by them I I, I realize my privilege that uh, sure not everyone in these encampments is a person of color but the majority of them are and uh, and at the end of the day I think yeah the privilege goes deeper than just associating as white it also is a, a cisgender uh, heterosexual male. Uh, that has lived in a mostly middle-class lifestyle uh, my entire life, and, and my privilege certainly comes up. And uh, today it was hot, and we're walking our dogs. It was almost 100 degrees, and, uh, you know, afterwards my wife did a beautiful thing and brought them out some cold, sparkling waters and, and gave them to uh, the people sitting out in the heat. Uh, but, yeah, that's I guess that's something I've, I've just been noticing that I'm, I'm grateful to to have what I have, and uh, it's something that I think most of my life I've kind of taken for granted, as this is something that is expected. Mm. Whereas I think what's starting to come more and more to light is that people that don't, that aren't the great white male, as you as you allude to, have to work a hell of a lot harder and can't just take these things for granted and have to more than just work work harder, but in a lot of cases get lucky and not yeah. get pulled over on the wrong day by the wrong cop or not walk in the wrong neighborhood or, you know, it's like, uh, something, I don't know if we touched on this, but, uh, something that codes talks about in the book about, um, having to work twice as hard, um, uh, and accepting half as much. Yeah. And that's something that I've never had to do that. I'm now realizing that, uh, people with a different skin color do have to do, uh, yeah. It's fun that you mentioned don't have to know what neighborhood you're walking in because um, that was actually that was my great white male moment today um, was 
Uh, I was working out this morning. So first off, I live in the rich white part of Albuquerque, um, except it's kind of the it's it's the the model homes bit of that. So it what it really is is those of us who are middle class and really want to be rich and white, um, and so it has this weird feel. Um, and we're renters here, so I'm looking forward to moving elsewhere in the town. Um, but it it's this constant struggle for me, like. Ha- I don't know my neighbors. Um, I do know that almost uh, the majority of this neighborhood is uh, white boomers or has been white boomers traditionally and is gradually changing over. Um, We're seeing families move in and there's a little bit of variety there. Um, But walking up the street this morning, I'm working out and I'm out there with my shirt off trying to enjoy some sunshine and and a a, a dude walks down the street um, with a little dog um, and it, it just, it was one of those moments here. I am walking out here without my shirt on in the midst of working out and just all of the pump that comes from that. And like the difference between us, he, he I perceived him to be black. Um, I don't know that that's how he self identifies, but you know, I still have a very racist brain and that's instantly what I notice. And this notion, as I watched him, of, of like, number one, would I have needed to take the dog out for a walk to be safe in this neighborhood? And the notion of what would have happened if he was the one working out, walking up and down the sidewalk, enjoying the sunshine with his shirt off between reps and sets? Um, like, what happens there? So I've been doing this the whole time with COVID because I'm just like, I have to work out. But just this like stark reality of I don't have to walk around with a little puppy to be less threatening. Um, even as I'm embodying very much everything about patriarchy that kills people every day in this nation. Like one of the biggest things I see constantly about the police brutality is that, yeah, racism may be the thing that we're looking at, but it's patriarchal violence that is being exact, uh, exacted here. And, and so even this little thing that seems so simply about race is also always about a gender system that is also meant to imprison and strip us of, of our humanity. Um, so just like the reality of that, I'm, I'm sitting with that. And I did have, like, I was thankful that he actually did wave across the street and, you know, um, his dog was barking at me, I guess. And so we had a little moment over that. <laughs> He's like, the dog just doesn't know what's good for him. I said, he doesn't, he doesn't recognize how small he is. It's cool. <laughs> but just that little exchange to feel human in the midst of this system that doesn't want us to be human and that wants to see the street that divided us as something far, far bigger and far more of a chasm. Um, that was de- that was definitely my my moment today, um, and I think that's that's worth mentioning and mentioning again is that the process of coming out of the dream fucking hurts. Uh, that Coates's str- uh, notion that we have to you and I people like us white men, uh, white folks, uh, men, uh, heteronormed people like as we come out of the dream of this normalized thing that this is going to hurt. This is not going to feel good. Um, that, that we have to learn to struggle. Um, it's, it's very, it's very poignant. And some days I don't know why it's worth it. And then there's moments when I get to talk to somebody like you, um, 
and and I know that it is worth it and it has been worth it to recover those parts of me that can feel um, that can be human um, uh, it it's worth every bit of struggle that it's ever been um, yeah well we can't heal the wound until we rip it open and and uh, start to pour in the medicine and and that's what this process is and yeah. I, it's uh yeah, I welcome more into these into these conversations and uh, commend you for opening a platform to have these types of conversations because uh, at the name of it is killing the great white male. Uh, you know, part of part of that death is opening into new possibilities. And as we kill the great white male, what we open up to uh, is more compassion, equality, allyship, anti-racism, and uh, what I hope for is a uh, is uh, a world that really empowers everyone to be their most authentic self without compromise mm. for safety, assimilation, or, or other reasons because the container forces them to. Yeah. I often, like in my head, I often think of it as a metaphor for working out that these changes of habits, of ways of thinking, um, that we, we don't think twice when we're sore after working out. But when we are changing our views on these things, when we're changing our perspectives, when we're opening our hearts and it hurts, we shut it off, expecting that that shouldn't be part of the process of learning. But it absolutely is. And when we're lifting and, and my muscle you know, feels sore the next day, that's because that's the body being ripped open and healing and learning to heal and learning new capacity. Um, and the same thing is true of the brain, that this process is, is painful. I've been pushed a couple of times on the notion that we're killing the great white male because it again sounds violent and therefore patriarchal um, or power over, right? Um, and it it bothers me. I, I'm not willing to defend it from that accusation. Um, and I feel like the notion that we are going to have to learn to struggle um, is very, very important here. Um, yeah. So I've been closing these with uh, a quote from Maya Angelou. Uh, do the best you can until you know better, and when you know better, do better. Um, and I think that's, I yeah, I don't know. I hear that all throughout our conversation, Bill. <laughs> yeah. No, really. And, and, yeah, that's part of the dream is wanting to know how to do better. Yeah. Uh, it's easy for us to not want to know because we know what's on the other side. Uh, especially someone like me, when I know that means I need to take action. Mm. And, uh, and I've, I think, been subconsciously uh, ignorant for a long time, and, and now I'm leaning in, and, uh, and it feels good to, uh, to learn things. It feels bad but good and, yep. <laughs> and necessary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so thank you so much for having me on this. It's been such a, uh, such a rich and fulfilling experience, and I hope others uh, will gain from listening to this yeah thank you bill it it uh it's meant the world to me to not only work with you but but to also have this space where we just get to <laughs> go to town on something man <laughs> yeah it's pretty special thank you my friend absolutely thank you i love you bill thank you so love much you. for for being present um for this yeah it was an honor and a pleasure yeah thank you my friend we're going to sign off, and uh, yeah, thank you all. Talk to you soon.
Where do you notice power over in your relationships? What will be different for you if you practice more power with? That's the conversation I walk away from this book with. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit that subscribe button and share this thing with someone that you care about today. Looking forward to seeing you Wednesday for a whole new conversation.